Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from Phoenix Business Radio X in Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center, right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And I am, as always, very excited, and I never say that and not mean it, about today's conversation with two experts that we are very fortunate to have spending the morning with us. We have Andy Call. He's the Director of School of Accountancy with W.P. Carey School of Business at ASU. Thank you for coming. What two or three miles down the road to see us. It's great to be here. Happy to have you. And Chad Dean, CEO of Integrated Management Resources, LLC. Welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. We did this a little backwards. We got to meet over coffee thanks to Joe Puzz uh, with Project Management Office Hours and the PMO Squad. You two had met an Arizona Technology Council mixer, I think, not too long ago. And Chad's like, I'm I'm thinking about maybe a podcast, right? And Joe's like, I know the team for you. <laughs> so we got to meet over coffee, and we're already talking about perhaps doing a, a show, a, a regular program with you Absolutely. as the host. So we figured we'd give him the guest experience first, and what an important topic for us to talk about, as Chad has shared with me, around the career, a career in accounting and finance. And so who better to help us than our friends at ASU? So before we get into the topic around where is this career headed and what's going on right now and how can we be champions for it in the Metro Phoenix area as business leaders, let's have both of you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your background and and the role that you play and, and serve today. Are you comfortable starting, Andy? Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the director of the School of Accountancy at ASU, which is more or less means department chair. And I've been at ASU for 10 years on the faculty, and the last five years I've been in this specific role leading the department. And prior to that, I was on the faculty at the University of Georgia, ultimately got my PhD back in the day at the University of Washington in Seattle and undergraduate degrees. You made it all around. (laughs) Yeah, moved around a lot, and uh, we've loved being here on a family level, and professionally it's been great. And, you know, ASU is in many ways a, a unique university because of its mission and its scale, and the scale is not accidental. It's very intentional, but it's great because there's an actual purpose behind what we're doing that is that resonates with me a lot. So it's been great. Excellent. And from Georgia was the, the, the move to here. Correct. Yes. Where, where is that? It's in Athens, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half. It's in Northeast Georgia, about an hour and a half from Atlanta. Okay. So it's great. It's a quintessential college town. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't there for the national championship years that have been more recent, but right. I'm still a root for the Bulldogs. Very good. I ask around uh, Georgia because our parent company, Business Radio X, uh, hails out of Sandy Springs, which is just outside of Atlanta. Yeah. And I think they have six little brick-and-mortar studios like mine, and then the rest of us are li- licensed partners around the country. So every time I hear about uh, Georgia and Atlanta area, I, I feel warm, warm and fuzzy. Thank you for the introduction. How about you, Chad? Well, I'm a native of Arizona. I was born on Williams Air Force Base, which is now Gateway Airport. And I grew up in central Scottsdale, right down by Scottsdale Fashion Square. That's my my home grounds, the, the old hood. And I got into recruiting 27 years ago. I was living in Austin, Texas. I couldn't find a real job. So I found my way into recruiting and started recruiting engineers. And I was quickly called back to Phoenix by a friend of mine whose father had passed away unexpectedly. 
And she was running this firm with her mother and didn't really know what she was doing. And I didn't know that he had that business prior to getting into recruiting. So it was kind of neat. And so I came back, started working with her. And then we built that company up. We sold it. So I worked myself out of a job and then bumbled around a couple of years, still recruiting. And then I found my way to integrated management in 2002 and started working there. And we were doing Wall Street recruiting at the time. We're recruiting front office quants, salespeople, traders for hedge funds and banks. I took over ownership in 2009 because basically the company was not doing so hot. If you remember back then, right, the financial crisis. So took over ownership of the company at that point in time. And we continued to work with Wall Street banks and hedge funds. And then we decided to, to diversify. I had a consultant that said, hey, you're a native of Phoenix. Phoenix is growing exceptionally. It's a fantastic market. Why aren't you doing any business in Phoenix? And I, I said, I, I don't know. So came up with a game plan, started putting that together, starting to do a little business, and then started our big blitz uh, and in January of 2020. <laughs> So that went over Gulp. well. <laughs> yeah, that went over well. But we managed to uh, to grind through that. And we have two disciplines here. One is IT and one is accounting and finance. And it's great to be able to talk with Andy, an expert in the accounting field, and and discuss what we're what we're gonna talk about today. So yeah, that's it. Great introduction from both of you. Thank you. When you and I spoke after Joe's introduction, um, and we talked about, you know, what what we do here at Business Radio X and, and how important stories are around bringing us closer together as a community in addition to helping lift each other up. You pointed out an article that was uh, in was the Wall Street Journal recently about accounting. Can you just speak to that for, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it? I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be. It's because they'll be coming to listen to the two of you speak on this topic. But set the stage for us around that. And then let's just engage in a conversation around, you know, really, what is this article saying? What of it is true? What are we seeing at ASU and in the greater Phoenix area? And then what are we going to do about it? Fantastic. So as I'm talking to leaders in the Valley, there's a tremendous shortage of people at the staff accounting level, at the senior accounting level, and even at the accounting manager level. And I was talking with a leader and they said, hey, have you seen the article from the Wall Street Journal? And I said, no, I haven't seen that. Please send it to me. Send it over. The gist of the article is basically that there's been, a, they use the number 17% decline in enrollment over the last couple of years at major universities in the accounting discipline. So I then read that article and then I was on a call with another leader and I said, Hey, have you heard about this article? And the leader says, uh, yeah, read it. Talk to another leader. Yeah, read it. Talk to another leader. Yeah, in fact, my uncle sent me that article. He's a retired engineer and sent me that article. And now I'm thinking this thing is spreading far and wide in not only the, the finance community, but in just elsewhere. So I found that kind of fascinating. And But it's true. There, there's such a huge shortage. I just have a couple of stats. So I ran a quick search this morning before we got on here for staff accountant title, which covers junior, the regular staff title, and the senior staff accountant level. There are 170 openings in the Phoenix area currently. Wow. And if you go to level up accounting manager, 131 openings in the Valley. And every company is concerned about how do they retain accountants? How, how do we manage the hybrid versus on-site because 
frankly, accountants and finance tend to go into the office more than an IT or maybe marketing or something like that. So um, they're all trying to balance, figure out how we retain our staff. How do we keep them happy? That was the premise of everything. What really sparked this idea for this particular podcast. I'm anxious, Andy, to hear what you have to say. It's absolutely an issue. And we see it on campus and we interact very closely with the firms all in the Valley and we talk with them and they're seeing it as well. It's And it's not even that new, sadly. It's been a few years that this has been a real trend in enrollments. I'll touch on enrollments a little bit more in a minute, but I, in general, it's, I think, a pretty unique dynamic right now because accounting enrollments at the university level across the country are down, double digits, and it's been several years. But at the same time, the demand for them right. is through the roof, and it arguably has never been higher. Uh, so it seems like it's solvable, but there are some real barriers in the, in the way. So just to give a little bit of context on our campus, the W.P. Carey School of Business is the largest business school in the country. We have total enrolled students in excess of 19,000 at any point in time right now. That includes undergraduates, graduates across any degree program, online students, et cetera. And even in that context where the business school is large and has been growing every year, our accounting enrollments have been on the decline. So even in that little microcosm of a growing business school, accounting has been shrinking. And that's been something that we've been working hard to try to address. And I, I should say, I think we've stopped the bleeding and are on the slight uptick, but it's been a challenge. We can talk about the reasons why that that is. I think that's important. I was just going to ask that. And I feel like you and I, in an email exchange amongst the three of us, as we prepared for today's segment, I think you had said part of it's messaging. Am I right in thinking that that's what you had shared? Yes. I don't know what that means. So if you could spend some time on that. Is it just that accounting and finance isn't sexy enough for people anymore? That's a large part of it. Now, with messaging, I don't want to say that that's the only reason. I don't want to say, oh, if only students understood the right message, then there'd be no problem. That's because it's <laughs> it's more complex than that. Yeah. But yeah, the messaging issue is partly that, again, well, these are 19, 20-year-old students, largely, when they're choosing a major. What they understand about accounting isn't always an accurate representation of what their actual career would look like. Because when they think about accounting, I think what they're often thinking about would better would be better described as bookkeeping, which, admittedly, I wouldn't want to do either, necessarily, as a career, and doesn't sound very attractive. And sometimes I joke and say, oh, if only we could tell them that, no, no, it's actually audit and tax. That's probably not even a, a better a better story uh, even then. But it's even more broad than that. It's not just audit and tax, although a lot of people obviously start their careers there. Accounting is such a great place, and I'm, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm an accounting professor, but accounting is such a great place to start your career in business, even if you have no plans to be an accountant. Mm -hmm. And there's so many examples of that, of effective leaders who've gone through the accounting or finance path, and they're not day-to-day accountants. Um, So I think there's that kind of broader perspective of how you can leverage an accounting degree for your good. I would even argue if you want to go into marketing, go into marketing, but have some accounting and understand margins and understand all these you know, financial trade-offs that are involved in the marketing decisions, and you'll be effective there. Obviously, you need some marketing training too. But But messaging also, I think there's also a generational issue. 
because I think young people today want different things out of their career than was the case 25 years ago when I was in college. They want purpose, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually maybe quite good, but I think sometimes it's harder to see that in accounting, even though it's there. But they want to be part of something that's that matters beyond just collecting a paycheck and climbing a corporate ladder, which is totally fair. But accounting, again, I would argue can help you get there, but that's hard to convey. Um, so that that's mainly what I mean when I when I say there's a messaging issue. But I think the problems are more are go beyond messaging, but messaging is a real challenge. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Let's flash back to you. What was the inspiration for you to to even go after an accounting degree? And did you have that choice prior to doing your undergraduate classes? And and I mean, was that I want to be an accountant from age eight? Where did where did that stem from? Not from age eight, I'm happy to say. So I did my undergraduate degree and master's degrees in accounting at BYU in Provo, Utah. And at the time, and this is almost maybe a good microcosm of the broader issue. At the time, when you were in the the business school there as an undergraduate student, accounting, of all the majors, that was the place to be. It was, oh, you're an accounting major. Kudos to you. And in fairness, they have always had and still have a great accounting program. But I don't think, and I still have some, you know, contacts there in the business school there. It's still obviously a great program, but other, in terms of cachet, among, even just among the undergrads, accounting doesn't have the disproportionate gravitas among students that it did then. And I think that's not, I'm not commenting on BYU specifically, I think that's true in, in general. That So I chose accounting partly because I liked it. I did well at it. Frankly, I had an older brother who had who had done accounting, so that I had that kind of in my DNA a little bit in my environment. Um, but also where I was, accounting was like, if you can do accounting, you do accounting because it's such an elite program. And I'm glad I did. Zero regrets. But I don't know that that's the same narrative or dynamic on many college campuses today. Do you feel that BYU, I'm, I'm sure you're still connected to the program, did, is it still, does it still hold that status today that it held when you were there? It is still very highly ranked, for sure. Among undergrads, and I'm even, I know some people who recruit there, and there are other programs who I think have, so it's not that accounting has gotten worse. I think other programs have caught up Mm -hmm. in terms of reputation and stature and uh, even initial placements. You you can do well from lots of other degrees, whereas historically accounting was just, it was the place. So I, I think it begs the question that I'm asking just as an outsider listening in, where are we at with pay, rate of pay and salary for these types of positions? Is that part of the challenge as well? I'll answer that. And, and I, you know, I pulled up an article from accounting.com. I don't know if they're a big expert. <laughs> Sounds important. In the space, but it does say that, that if you're an accountant, you make double the median wage of all occupations nationwide. Hmm. Uh, and also notes there's above average growth projections for accounting jobs 10% between 2016 and 2026 with 1.5 million employment in 2026 in accounting. I don't feel that it's really a pay situation, frankly, because when you get up into the upper levels of of accounting, you're getting paid well. One of the issues is the big four, and it's around hours worked, frankly. So 
When you talk to somebody in the big four and they've spent three or four years in the big four doing audit or tax or something like that. Can you define big four for those of us who are clueless? Sure. So those are the big um, consulting firms. Okay. Um, if I'm allowed to mention names, Deloitte yeah. and Touche. Yeah. Everybody's heard of that, okay. right? So KPMG. So the three or four year individuals in there, they're making maybe 70 to 75,000, been in the business for three or four years, but they're pulling 70 to 80 hour weeks. And that is a big problem for the accounting profession because they recruit heavily out of the universities and they are pulling from the top programs. But when you're hearing that, wow, I got to work 78 hours a week. And now there's this big work-life balance thing that's happened with COVID, right? So that's also, that's only in the last three years. You're saying that there's been an enrollment problem for longer than that. Now you throw the work-life balance in there. And so I really, I believe it's not so much a pay, but I think it's, that is part of the big fours problem is how many hours they're working. And they're trying to address that. They know it's a problem. Right? Yes. They're yeah. absolutely trying to make sure that employees have a good experience there. And some of the big four are even ranked and as, you know, by fortune as being one of the best places to work because they're really leaning into that. Um, it's interesting to hear your perspective because um, I agree 100% that there's that barrier that some students think about when they think about going to big four. What is that? Or not big four. I don't want to pick on big four. Public accounting and think about what that means in terms of work-life balance. The pay issue has come up regularly over the years on campus. Uh, not necessarily from students, but from faculty. When we've talked with firms about some of the enrollment trends we're seeing, you know, accounting tends to be countercyclical. Demand for accounting, I should say, tends to be countercyclical because it's just more stable. That you, audits need to happen in good economies and in bad economies. Mm -hmm. Tax work needs to be done regardless. Consulting work is a little bit more, you know, would, would vary more. But so for many years, we've been in a relatively strong economy. And some of these other degree programs, for example, finance, that their students are getting investment banking opportunities that are paying much more than public accounting is. And that gets students' attention. And no one's rooting for the economy to sour, but historically when that, when that happens, some of those high-paying jobs in, in fintech or in technology spaces dry, dry up whereas accounting stays pretty stable. So that's the blessing and the curse of the stability of the accountants. It can be a little countercyclical. But yeah, you know, I, I remember being at a, at a big symposium with accounting professors from all over the country, and we were meeting with one of these big four firms, and this issue came up about salary. And this was probably four or five years ago. And the big four really hadn't done a lot to bump up salaries in a while. In fairness to them, it's very expensive to do because you're not just bumping up starting pay. You're bumping up now the second years and the fourth years and managers and et cetera, all the way up the food chain. But anyway, they, at the time, they were still more or less getting the numbers of, of staff that they needed and which arguably discouraged a big salary bump because they were staffing things okay. And I remember an, uh, one, an accounting professor from a different university raised his hand and said, you might be filling your seats, but what you're not seeing is all the great talent in our business schools that isn't showing up at your door and isn't working for your firm because they're choosing other majors that they think has more upside because you're keeping your wages so low. 
So you might be getting people, but are you getting the same caliber of people? And are those people going to stay and thrive long-term? You know, don't be short-sighted on the salary thing. So to their credit, at least in the Phoenix area, the big four has bumped up pay, you know, 10 to 10 to 12, 10 to 15,000, even in the last two to three years, which is more than I thought they would do quick, so quickly. Is it still lagging some other opportunities? Sure. And if you go outside public accounting, I think pay tends to be a little higher than that even still. But but yeah, that, these are all part of the problem. There's all these different factors coming, converging and making it a challenge. It's funny that you say the, the level of talent that they're able to recruit. So you'll talk to uh, somebody five, six years in public accounting for one of the larger firms. And all they do is talk about how the quality has dropped of the people that they've hired exactly what you said. So that's fascinating that you brought that up. They're not seeing the best talent. So we were looking at this problem and and you said in your email to us, a lot of it is on messaging. What Tell me what that means and how far down does messaging go and into the grade schools? How do we, how do we I was just going to ask that same question. As a former assistant principal for an elementary school in Kyrene, I was thinking through that, and we've had these conversations around STEM education and helping kids build up through, you know, career readiness. Great question. Does it go back to that? And I think the other piece to me for us, from a very general layperson's perspective, which is my role here, is accounting—this is, a, I feel like, a dumb question, but I think it needs to be asked—is accounting a necessary component and compartment, department, within organizations? The answer to me, I think, is duh, yes, of course. So. There we go, Pandora's box. Yeah, so I would love to do more at the high schools. The challenge is just logistics because if you get access to one high school, that's, you know, several hundred students a year, depending on the school. But many of those aren't going to go on to a four-year university regardless or to college anyway. And of those that do, many aren't at all interested in business, let alone accounting. They're just not interested in business. They're going to go into liberal arts or something else, which is great. So it becomes, um, you know, how many people, how many potential accountants are you even really talking to? And is that the best way to, you know, leverage our, our resources, the limited resources we have to do this? And we'd love to get there, and I think we will. But I'll tell you two places where we are focusing our messaging. One is at the community college level. At that point, they've already moved on to higher education. And if we're in the right classes, those are business classes. So they've already self-identified as being interested in business broadly, even if that's not accounting. So we're working really hard with our advisory board, which has, you know, 15 to 20 of the firms locally with leadership from them. We work together closely with them to reach the community colleges. I mean, we're very lucky here. We have the Maricopa Community College Mm -hmm. system is great. There's 10 different campuses, all within... 25 minutes of our campus-ish, you know, we're obviously a primary destination for a lot of those students. So that's been great. The other place we're really being intentional about is on our own campus, when business students who are already part of the W.P. Carey School of Business, they have to take an introductory financial accounting course. This is typically done in their sophomore year. And, you know, given our scale, we're teaching... 5,000 students a year in that course. But those students are sophomores. Yeah, they have a declared major, but it's they've made no real investments down that path or any one path. So we really want them to have a good experience in that class. 
a lot of universities will put their very, very best teachers uh, and faculty in master's programs and other places that are smaller audience. We've got great faculty there as well. But we've been very intentional to put the right people in those positions to help the students have a good experience. Rigorous, yes. I'm not saying easy. But to understand, help the students understand what accounting is and what it isn't. Um, And while we're there, we do some pretty intentional, direct, overt messaging. You know, for example, we're creating videos with various high-profile alumni uh, who've gone on to do all kinds of interesting things. An FBI agent or Tom Harris, who's the CFO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, is a graduate of our program. And we've gone and done videos at Chase Field, where he's been very gracious and to help students see, oh, accounting doesn't lead to sitting in a dark closet with a spreadsheet. It can lead to all kinds of industries and all kinds of really cool things. But we're trying to get that message across, not when they're juniors and seniors, that's too late, but when they're still at a decision point where if they if it resonates with them, that they can make a pivot. And I just last thing I'll mention on this is I don't pretend that every undergraduate business student should do accounting. There's so many great programs in our own college and in other business schools. And some of them, some students should not do accounting. They'd be better served doing something else. But again, I'm biased. I think there are more who would benefit and their careers would benefit from having an accounting foundation than are actually taking advantage of that opportunity. I would agree with that. Let's take the burden a little bit off the universities. What can companies? do the the fang companies right facebook apple google they are amazing at promoting themselves on social media there's no secret that there was a massive shortage of engineers not so much anymore and chat gpt might actually uh, mm-hmm. take over a lot of that mm-hmm. but there was this massive shortage of engineers and everybody wanted to go to engineering school become a software engineer and go to work for one of the fang companies what can companies themselves do better, do you believe, to promote accounting and promote a career path within their organization for accounting? I think it's some of the things that we've been hitting on in terms of, you know, pay and your comments, which I totally agree with about work-life balance and, and having interesting work that isn't boring accounting work. And it ultimately isn't, but I, helping young people see that. But I think the challenge is that Companies like Google and, say, Honeywell, who's here local, I don't know that they have much incentive to address the accounting issue because they don't need, as long as they're getting what they need, and I don't know, maybe some are and some aren't, but the ones who have, they're focused on their core business, which isn't about accounting mm-hmm. and, or staffing accounting because they, staff they want to staff in so many different areas. The ones who have the most incentive to address this are the public accounting firms because that is the lion's share of their teams. And universities, certainly schools of accountancy, mm-hmm. because that's what we do. So frankly, we've had a hard time engaging non-public accounting. We have s- several on our advisory board that are awesome. Some banks and some others that do you know, executive compensation consulting and gr- really interesting stuff here locally. Mm-hmm. But I would love to have more of them on our advisory board so that they can be part of this. It's just hard because they're not recruited, you know, Large public accounting firms like the big four are recruiting and hiring 20-plus, 30-plus every year. So they have strong incentives to be present and visible on campus. Some of these other employers might need two a year from our campus. Mm. 
So we're wanting to engage them more, but it's a challenge because the the incentives are not as strong for them as they are for us. I'd like to put a little plug in for public accounting. When you come out with three or four years of audit experience or tax experience, you jump the level in accounting through the roof and and quickly move into a controller role. Shortly after that is VP of accounting and then um, ultimately to CFO. That's where they want to go. But for public accounting, and it doesn't have to be one of the big four. There's there's a lot of other good public accounting firms. You really jump far in your career. If you put in the three, two, three years of those hours and and that work, you really can excel very quickly. And there's and there isn't a company, let's call it a 50 million plus revenue company that isn't looking for somebody with a, a solid degree. I would like somebody with big four experience. I'm like, do you know how hard that is to, yeah. to get somebody with big four? Let's start with public accounting. And that's very difficult as well. But they all want that experience. And so uh, a plug for that, which isn't necessarily a plug for the $50 million company that wants to hire a junior recruiter right out of school. But that that's a tremendous leap in somebody's career. I totally agree. And I'll go further. I mean, public accounting is a great career, even if you stay there whether it's big four or or not. Uh, I have a college roommate who I'm still in good contact with, and he's a partner at Deloitte in Houston and loving it and doing great things. But I agree with you that even if you, you go to public accounting and determine that that's not the right fit for you long-term, which is fine and totally normal, the longer you wait, the more you can jump levels uh, outside of public accounting. Um, so there really is, it's a great place to start a career. It's a great place to finish a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, everyone will have their own career path, but they're they're great. For our listeners who may be coming to this with accounting in mind as a career, you had kind of noted this earlier, Andy. What is accounting and what is it not? Can we spend some time at a really baseline level for just a couple minutes and have you both speak to that? What is it? What is it? What isn't it? and maybe paint the picture for the important role that these people would play in the success of a business. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, tag team. I'm, I'm not an expert in accounting. <laughs> well, accounting is not bookkeeping. That might be the very basic, rudim- yeah, basic mm-hmm. kind of starting point. And, and as a quick aside, that's a hard narrative to push back against because in that introductory financial accounting course I was describing a few minutes ago, you are starting with some of the basics, you know, debits and credits and journal entries, which certainly has a flavor of bookkeeping, but we're just building a foundation so you can get to the interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. What accounting is, it's being able to use, prepare and or use financial information for sound decision making. Forecasting. Yes, it could be internally. So when you're forecasting what sales are going to be or trying to make decisions about, you know, how to use your your capital internally. So there's a huge role for people who understand accounting data just to help run the business effectively and efficiently. Mm-hmm. And that colors every department of a business. Like I mentioned earlier, the marketing department, the sales department, all of them are touching on financial, financially motivated decisions. Or it's external. You might not work for the company. You might be evaluating the company as an investor or as an analyst externally. All of those individuals need a a strong foundation in accounting. There's a a video we've created that we share sometimes with students that shows 
Warren Buffett, obviously a famous billionaire investor. And he's asked in a couple various different settings, they say, hey, what advice would you give to, to students these days, like college students? What would you tell them? This is not an accounting people asking him the question. They're just saying, hey, it's Warren Buffett. What would, advice would you give? And he says, oh, number one, you got to know your accounting. It's the language of business, which yeah. obviously is a tagline. But he goes, if you don't know that, it's like you're, you're operating in a, in a foreign land and you don't know the language. You mm-hmm. have to know accounting. To summarize, I would just say what I said a minute ago. It is being comfortable with and knowing how to prepare and or use, depending on what roles you take, mm-hmm. financial data that, ult- that leads to sound decision-making. And that manifests itself all over business. Beautifully stated. <laughs> I'm going to throw a more important thing in there. And it's, it's the health of the economy. Right. When you look at audit, let's just flash back to a company called Enron. And what a disaster that was. And the audit process is so important for the health of our economy that people can trust the numbers that are coming out. That is what a fundamental, healthy capitalist economy is built on. And uh, Warren Buffett, I, I love that. I, I did, have not heard that. I like to listen to what, uh, what he has to say. And that's, it's so fundamental when you're looking at anything and you're looking at investing in a company, you need to be able to look at the books. You need to be able to look at the balance sheet, the income statement, and figure out what's going on in there. So the audit side of things is so very important. And then you also touched on it that the accounts get to work with sales, with HR, with all different parts of the company. So they have like this view of the company that very. if you're in sales, you don't have that. If you're in supply chain, you don't necessarily have that view. They have an entire view of the organization. I think part of the other shortage problem is a lot of people that come in with an accounting degree move in onto the finance side or they move into operations. And so these other or these other. Um, functions within the organization pull a lot of people from accounting because of their knowledge of the business. And so it's if you're if you're thinking about going into accounting, you realize that you're getting a really good view of the of the organization and how important that role is. And so if we could make it sexy again and make it better than, you know, it's going to be really hard for chat GPT to go in and figure out, look at the subledgers and figure out where where something's going wrong. Uh, whereas that's that's what accountants do. They go in and make sure that that everything's correct. Yeah, I'm glad you made that comment about auditing because you're exactly right. Without This is kind of at the societal level, the value of accounting. But without an audit, investors wouldn't invest. Banks wouldn't lend. The flow of capital would grind to a halt, and so would the economy right with it. And I don't think that's really an overstatement. Now, that doesn't mean that every individual needs to say, oh, that's how I'm going to spend my time or my career. But when we're talking about younger people often wanting to be involved in something that matters, accounting matters. It matters to society. It's not just some some sideshow. You mentioned ChatGPT. A colleague of mine mentioned recently, I think there was some article about this, that uh, ChatGPT recently took and failed the CPA exam. So we we were happy to see that. That's amazing because everything else I've heard from ChatGPT, it's passing with flying colors. I'm sure it will improve. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right? We can leave it to that. However, it can't, to the degree that people can, assess, advise, do all those other things, right? As we know, with, with AI, it can help us get 
somewhere a little bit faster when it comes to research and that sort of thing or or putting things together. But those critical decision-making points, we still need to rely on really smart people (laughs) who understand the mission and the vision, the purpose, and the passion behind what a company represents and how they serve their community. For sure. And on the topic of AI, this is another, I think, connects to our messaging issue. I hear a lot of people, even prominent, influential people, when they talk about automation and industries that are going to be heavily impacted, accounting often gets thrown in. That's misleading. I think it is. I mean, I think it's fair if we're talking about bookkeeping. Yep. That is, you know, even QuickBooks and other things like that have already done that, and it's mm-hmm. going to get better and better. Sure. But the t- but you don't need to go to a f- highly ranked four-year accounting program to go be a bookkeeper. You, that's not That would be overkill. If you're going through a prog- our program or one like ours somewhere else in the country, you're going into something, it's preparing you for something much larger than that that involves decision-making and critical thinking and analysis that is much harder to automate. So I would say that automation isn't, it might be impacting bookkeeping, yes, but that's not what we're here to do. Automation is changing how we do what we do, for sure. It has technology in general has completely transformed. Uh, it's had a big impact on our curriculum. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a very uh, professionally driven program where we're trying. You know, we're we're close to the profession. We're trying to prepare students for a profession, so we're stay close to that. And our program definitely brings in all kinds of data analytics and other technologies to help students. But all that means is that they still have great jobs. They're just entering into the the job function at a higher level to do more interesting things sooner and add more value sooner because they can leverage technology. Mm -hmm. But the need for them as humans, as trained accountants, has never been higher. I want to ask a question, and and I'll give my opinion first, but let's take away the Honeywells, let's take away the large employers in this town, and let's focus on companies in the $25 to maybe $750 range where they are having the most difficulty attracting accountants. There's such a disparity that I see between organizations and not naming any names, just one organization to the next. One, you ask people how their work-life balance is and they're an accountant. They'll say, oh, it's great. I work 40 to 50 hours. And then you go to the next one and the person's like, I need to get out of here. I'm working 70 hours a week. Same function, different company. Mm. So there has to be more of a focus on retention because going out and hiring an accountant uh, or anybody for that matter is expensive. You have to go through the recruiting process. Your seat is open for a while. Other people are having to work harder and now that's bringing their work-life balance down and their happiness. And so the cost of of filling these seats is tremendous. The company should be working more strongly on retaining that talent. And and fixing the work-life balance that can occur in that monthly cycle of, of closing the books every month, getting more efficient in the close process. Public companies have to be closed in five days. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. Whereas I, I hear private companies, it's, it's the 15th, and they're still closing the books. So work on using technology maybe to efficiently close the books and, and create a better work-life balance for your accountants, and you maybe you spend a little bit more on that technology to increase the speed of the close, but 
that saves you money of having to to go out and, and continually backfill your accounting roles. If you look mm-hmm. at a lot of accountants, they're changing jobs every two and a half years or less. So the the real focus for these smaller companies, I believe, is on retention. When I look and somebody's been a, an accountant for seven years, I'm like, that company's doing a good job. And so do you have any thoughts around what the, the let's call them medium-sized companies, what they can do uh, within the accounting realm? I completely agree about retention. Obviously, that's important for everyone, but especially for these types of employers you're talking about. Sometimes we'll meet with employers of that size. They're more or less competing with the big for firms, for young talent. And I'll, I'll point out and say, you know, your own senior leadership, you know, you learn about their background and the senior leadership at some of these smaller employers, they started in, at the big four. And then mid, at some midpoint in their career, they transitioned over. I'll just make the observation that to someone you're recruiting out of college, if they see, they might want to work for your firm. They might want to be in your exact shoes and have all that resonate. But what they're seeing is that to get there and how you got there was to go start somewhere else. And if you have people internally that you hired at a young age and they also stayed and were promoted and thrived and had a great career all within the confines of your great environment and culture and whatever else you bring to the table, that's impactful. But it can't be that you're only putting in front of them people who've taken a path that you are now asking them, not the student, not to take. So just, and I don't know that they always think about it that way, so we'll often have that conversation. Not that we're trying to discourage students from going to Big Four. We just want them to have options and make the decision that makes sense for them. It just also goes back to messaging (laughs) and what what the candidates, our younger generation, is looking at uh, as they make these decisions about their career. Is there a national organization that is also part of the messaging? Maybe the CPAs, several of America. Yeah. So on the academic side, there's the American Accounting Association. On the more professional side, there's the AICPA and others that are. It's actually been quite nice because there's never been really any competition or anything among universities or you know, et cetera. But it's nice to see everyone kind of come together. Different universities all sharing the same problem. The professional side has the same problem and working together to try to help. We have a member of our own faculty who works very closely with a group of, I think, three or four or five faculty from around the country, but with EY to help with messaging and other things of that nature. And it's nice to see everyone come together and rally around a common problem that we have a shared interest in helping address. As we kind of close up our time together, and I'm deeply appreciative of this conversation, what can businesses do to better support the influx of people interested in accounting positions? I mean, what kind of what's the takeaway that you guys are mulling around as we have this conversation and you think about and talk about it in your daily practices? I like the messaging. I like the changing of the um, promoting within. It's so important, mm-hmm. right? People, when they're uh, looking at a company and evaluating if they see people that have progressed, that's going to be a much more attractive organization. So the management, starting from the officer level down, needs to be aware of that, not just the CFO. The CEO, uh, COO needs to be aware of the perception that's that's in the accounting department. And if that's if you have a tremendous amount of turnover, you need to evaluate, seriously evaluate 
what's going on and talk with the people that are working for you and, and get their feedback because they're talking, if they're not happy, they're talking to a recruiter, right? And so you would rather them talk to you and tell you and maybe get a few of them together and create a mastermind to figure out how we can, what can we do within our organization to make this a better path? Companies need to look in the mirror when they're having a tremendous amount of turnover and, and figure out where, what's the source of that problem. That to me, frankly, because that's, that's the level I'm dealing with is at the company level. That's where I want to see organizations improve so that there isn't, I don't want to get a resume of, of somebody that's been a year and a half here and two and a half mm -hmm. years here. And then six months, what happened? I got in, it was a totally different situation than what was portrayed to me. How is that possible? How can it come in unless unless the individual completely heard the only only what they want to hear? But is that messaging consistent across every interviewer that's involved in the process about the career path? And and so I want to see I, the term that a rising tide raises all boats. I want to see the accounting profession get better, less turnover, and that way again it goes back to hey, it's cool again to be an accountant because you understand the importance of, of what you're playing within the organization. I agree. I think our takeaways are very similar. The way I think about it is I think that universities, and by that I mean accounting programs, and the employers both need to take a step back and make sure that what we're delivering is consistent with what we're selling. Because I talked about that sophomore level class where we're talking about, oh, look at all the great things you can do in accounting. Okay, but is our curriculum, if they choose accounting, is our curriculum consistent with that? Or are we funneling them down some narrow path that is, you know, not as, that doesn't resonate in the way we were selling it? That's one of the things, and we didn't get into it, which is totally fine, but that we're trying to do on campuses, expand the nature of undergraduate curriculum in accounting in our own program so that it's not just a one-size-fits-all. It doesn't have to be just a CPA shop necessarily. So I think we need to make sure that on the academic side that we're offering, we say you can do anything, but are we really giving them an educational experience that is consistent with go off and do anything? And the employers, similarly, they care a lot about work-life balance and they want their teams to have good experiences when they get there. Are their teams, particularly the younger people, having the type of experience day-to-day that is interesting and that is empowering and that is em engaging their mind uh, as opposed to just once they're hired and you don't worry about it. So I think we all need to make sure that we're delivering on what we're, the message that we're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. My mind goes to, and hopefully I have a few more minutes to talk about this if, if it's something that resonates with you. I'm going to use the word personality, the personality of someone who at an early age, you mentioned, you know, kind of said to Andy, did, were you interested in accounting when you're age eight? So being a former elementary school administrator and third grade teacher, I go to these young kids, right? I've got a 15-year-old. He wants to be an engineer. And we're excited to talk, have those conversations because engineering isn't just this anymore. There, who knows what kind of engineering jobs are going to be available to him just because of how everything's changing and advancing. He's also the kind of kid who is very well-rounded in his soft skills and his ability to communicate and think critically and creatively. So I guess there's a question there that I'm asking myself, 
is accounting still drawing, or has the student that accounting um, is appealing to, are we helping those students uh, be a broader leader and a broader individual? And even if, is that necessary? I know I ask that because of my experience and the conversations we've had with AZ Tech Council and the SciTech Institute, um, who, who have been working on leadership skills for the engineer type personality. I'll just put, you know, say it like that, who, who is such a critical thinker and, and really fascinated with the way things work. And we've been working to help them communicate more effectively so that, you know, K-12 they're coming out not only with that massive muscle built around how they naturally think and show up, and they're also able to more readily communicate it and share themselves in a way that is easier to understand. So again, I just put that out there. What Any thoughts about that? And it's okay if you say no, Karen. <laughs> Let's shut this baby down. <laughs> I'm going to let you talk to that because I did. I have a biology degree, and so nothing to do with accounting. I would say, yes, that is important, that they have a, a well— rounded it's accounting is not to be successful in accounting it's not just about the being numbers. good at the other numbers and even the numbers there's no math really here it's the the calculator that came preloaded on your iphone does all the math you need to do through our entire program it's okay. this is not about math there's numbers involved yes but it's applying it to business questions and business problems and, and addressing it Accounting isn't even about a, right, a single right answer the way there would be in a math problem. So there's all kinds of scope for critical thinking and decision-making and analysis that should attract more than just, oh, I'm good with numbers. I like my math class in high school. Therefore, I'll do accounting. We want those students, too. I think they can do well as well. And for them, we're trying to bring out some of the softer skills. Mm -hmm. But those who aren't, you know, all-stars in math, there absolutely is a role for them because what this really is is business. It's often business advising in some financial capacity. And that's very client-facing. And that's we focus a ton of that, on that in our master's program. Uh, admittedly, less at the undergraduate level because there's more nuts and bolts to get through. But yeah, they need to be client-ready. And that involves communicating comfortably with clients and even with your own superiors and teams that's certainly verbal communication. It's written communication, making presentations to convey, this is my recommendation. This is what our analysis was and where we're headed with this. That's a real-life thing that isn't really, doesn't fit into a neat little box of this was the right answer. Um, so we need, we need people. The profession would benefit from more people who have those types of broad backgrounds and skills. And one thing we're trying to do on campus is in our master's program, historically, the students in our master's program, it's a one-year, kind of a fifth-year program. Historically, it's been 98% students who have an undergraduate degree in accounting, which is great. And there's certainly a lot of value proposition to getting that fifth-year master's program. I did the same thing. What we're trying to do is expand the pipeline so that if you have an undergraduate degree in anything, you said biology, is that what you said? Yes. Welcome to the master's program in accounting. We might make you have you do a few classes just to make sure you're ready. But not just in the school of business, really. Any, yeah, even outside the school I, of business. I'm glad you spoke to that because I was thinking that earlier. I've, I've witnessed, when we've had conversations with other uh, you know, university-level professors and, and leaders, they're, they're making this path towards a career so much more flexible, thank goodness, right? It's not curriculum-driven. It's opportunity and career-driven. 
so that you could jump the track <laughs> that used to only look like it was three different tracks going in different directions. Now, universities and schools within those departments are saying, listen, this makes sense career-wise. Add this to your biology degree. Add this to your you know, marketing degree, whatever. That's such an appealing package to employers as yes. well. Yes. Because oh, you'll have okay. the accounting, but you'll have some richness behind it. Like biology, for example, that'd be such a good background to have whether you're auditing a, a biotech or consulting with it. Mm. Marrying those together is really powerful. So this last year, of the, just graduated a week ago, we had about 95 master students in our graduate programs. And of those 95, 11 came from non-accounting undergraduate programs, which has been great. And you talk to the faculty who taught those classes, and they'd say, oh, those non-accounting undergrads, I know who they are, and they're disproportionately killing it in the classroom. They're motivated. They're well-prepared. They're doing awesome. And they, they add so much to the classroom. They love having them there, and the firms and employers gobble them up. It's a really powerful thing to marry, even if it's within the business school, finance and accounting, supply chain and accounting. It's a really attractive way to start your career. I'm going to throw one last plug in for the accounting. When somebody graduates from one of the uh, major universities and their degree is business administration, a lot of those people just go straight into a sales role. It's just right? general. So it's, general. It's so general. Whereas if they were to throw accounting on there, now my degree's in accounting, doesn't mean you're stuck in accounting. You don't have to go and be an accountant. But you will, you can go into an accounting and quickly leapfrog where you would have been from a from an income standpoint, rather than coming out with just a general business administration. Now, I don't want to get a call from the head of business administration at ASU, <laughs> but but that's a recommendation that I have for individuals that uh, that want to get a head start in their career and and come out and have a different perspective of an organization rather than just going into sales. It sounds so much more credible coming from him than from me. I like that. <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't know about that. Well, I, I have a vested interest, but I, I <laughs> yes. 100% agree. And the one last, last thing I'll say on this topic is what a lot of young people want to get involved in is entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which is great. I love entrepreneurship as well. And? Often we think that the entrepreneur is the idea person only. But entrepreneurship involves the entire team. And one of the very first things that they will look to add to that team is accounting slash finance that know-how mm -hmm. because you cannot scale, you cannot make good decisions about how to get there without that type of training and thinking. And that's an exciting environment to be in if you want to be in entrepreneurship. It's not about being the person on Shark Tank who says, oh, you know, this is how I came up with my idea. It's about being part of the early effort to bring something to life and accountants are always there. They have to be there. And playing off the Shark Tank comment, the questions they're asking, listen to the questions that they're asking. They're always about the bottom line, the projection, yep. the forecasting, the costs per unit, all that. Yeah. An engineer can't answer that. No. Nor can the 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 free spirit entrepreneur who's got this wild, you know, idea that that they can see and visualize that's going to be a massive game changer. They've got to be able again to articulate it through the numbers and through uh, the effectiveness of sales. Yeah. Really appreciate both of your time this morning. I know you're extraordinarily busy. I hope we'll get to see more of you. I hope so, too. And then we'll bring Andy back. I'm close by. <laughs> really appreciate both of you. As we close out today's segment, could each of you share where people can stay in touch with you? Uh, I'm assuming you're both on LinkedIn. I think I already know that. 
And then uh, for somebody who's interested, either a company level leader uh, who's interested in, in getting more involved with ASU curriculum and tapping into that those resources, or even our students who are listening and they're like, do I, don't I go toward accounting? And they want to tap into that. Where do they uh, stay in touch with you guys at ASU? I would recommend coming directly to me. And if it's if I don't have the answer, I can certainly connect someone to someone who does. And my email address is andycall at asu.edu. And you can find me on our website pretty easily. So. I, I found you that, that way. <laughs> I went through the leadership team. I'm like, I'm going to reach out and see if he if he'd have time with us today. And I'm glad you did. How about for you, Chad? How do we stay in touch with you? LinkedIn, Chad Dean. Uh, just run that search. Integrated Management Resources, the name of our company. If you Google that, we hopefully are number one on there. And uh, it's Chad at integratedmgmt.com. Please feel free to give me a call. All my contact information is on the website. And we're happy to talk to anybody. And I, I love it. This goes back to the very beginning of your introduction that a homegrown AS or well ASU too, right? You're an ASU grad. Uh, so uh, biology, and then I went and I knew I wanted to be in business, and so I went and got an MBA yeah. from from ASU. Yes, and homegrown. And so thank you for coming back and saying it's important to me as an individual and as a professional to support success in our business community as it relates to recruiting. And, and that really was the impetus of today's conversation. So I, I thank you for that because you've been so successful in other states, New York in particular, I think, right? New York, Illinois, yeah. California. Yeah, well, we're happy to abroad, have you. So. Good. Well, thank you. Thank yes. I appreciate being here. Yeah. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left and some lean right, and we lean accounting. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.